Welcome back to the Truth Channel Inspired. This is a media source dedicated to bringing biblical truth to practical subjects. And right now we are podcast only, but we do have a YouTube channel that is still around, um, but that's just not going to be used weekly, but it is going to be used for video projects that I do. So if you want to subscribe to that and also subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a week. So we're going to talk about the Enneagram and I have brought on my good friend Jake. What up world? <laughs> um, and Jake, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background with the Enneagram. Yeah. So in high school, I loved like personality like assessments and I loved like true colors. I love Myers-Briggs, things like that. And so I've always been like fascinated with psychology and stuff. And I had a friend introduce me to the Enneagram, I think like my sophomore year of college, and I looked into it and I was like, this is dumb, I'm, I don't want to know anything about it. No. And then I went on a mission trip uh, to San Diego with crew, and one of the things we did was we talked about the Enneagram, and I realized that, oh man, I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram 5, and from that point on I was like, man, I want to know all about this. There's just some fun revelations that I came to about myself and just totally obsessed over it for a long time. Yeah. And I graduated from Crown College and for my capstone project, I actually did a project over the Enneagram and spiritual formation and how the Enneagram can be a helpful tool for those in the church to do discipleship. And so I've been doing that for a few years and absolutely love it. So what did that project look like? Like what did you do for it? Yeah, so I did a lot of research, obviously, like reading a lot of books on the different topics, and then I would go and sit down with people. So I met up, met up with over 150 people over the course of those like eight weeks, and just like asked them, okay, what was your childhood like? What were mm -hmm. some of your fears as you've like grown up, and how have you like how have you seen like some of those like childhood patterns that you had in your life or different weaknesses that you typically go to back and like over and over, sin struggles. How does the gospel get preached into those things? Ooh, yeah. And then help them identify, okay, this is my Enneagram number. This is like my fear associated with it. And then preaching the gospel into that and actually seeing some like chains break and people finding freedom through that. That's so cool. So just for the people that are listening that don't know what the Enneagram is, could you just explain what it is? What are its origins? What, what is it based off of? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> origins are a little crazy out there, but... Uh, so there's a few different theories on it, but essentially the Enneagram, it's a type of degree uh, assessment. So it's supposed to help people identify what their type is, what their personality is. And so Ennea stands for nine, type stands for your type, or sorry, gram stands for your type. And so there's nine different types that mm. essentially the idea is that every person, uh, they grow up with a childhood wound or a sort of like core fear and that controls a lot of different areas of their life. Hmm. And so the Enneagram, uh, there's different origins. Some people think that it was like Christian mysticists um, in the Middle East like hundreds of years ago. There are some people that think that it came from demons and revelations through dreams and stuff like that. And other people just think that someone came up with the system a while ago and <laughs> they just used it and it makes sense and we still have it today. And yeah. so there are some crazy origin stories out there. Yeah. But essentially it's nine different personality types. Everybody goes into one of these nine different categories it's associated with that comes from a fear or childhood wound and directs a lot of your life. Yeah, so I had heard a lot about the Enneagram for for a couple years now and I hesitated to do it because I heard like as a Christian like we we aren't supposed to do it because its origins aren't from God. Um 
And so that pushed me away for a while. And, and then I actually did it this summer because I was staying with some friends and they kept talking about it. And they were like, oh, Lindsay, you're, you're seven, you're this, you're this. And I was like, what does that mean? And so finally I discovered I'm actually a three. And um, just hearing about threes, you you know what a three is. You said it was like a chameleon, like I blend in to yeah. my scenarios. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but like hearing about that actually gave me so much clarity on myself and listening to like my tendencies, like having three tendencies has helped me a lot to see like, okay, this is my, this is maybe why I do what I do. Um, and then how to, how I can like grow from there. And it's helped me a lot in my relationship with God to see like, okay, how can I allow God to move in Mm -hmm. these parts of my life where, you know, that's not based on his truth. Um, one of the things was I was really confused for a long time. Like I thought I had multi personality disorder and I would, I would very, I just get so confused with myself because I was like, why am I one way in this situation, but another way in this situation. And I think if you guys know me, it's a different Lindsay that comes out on the Truth Channel podcast. <laughs> you meet like at 3 a.m. Like I'm just like super weird, kind of crazy. But that's just like kind of how how I am. You Being know? a three, that totally makes sense. Yeah, makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, but then it's also learning. Okay, how can I be myself and not allow other people's opinions to shift or to like shift how I am? You know what I mean? And just like being the same in multiple multiple scenarios. So that's been something that I've been working on and that's a little bit of my story with it is I was very skeptical and so I think that that's why I wanted to talk about it because there is uh, some discrepancy on like if Christians should use it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think that there's like two different philosophies you can have with it. Yeah. That one, you can take it Old Testament and say, okay, maybe this has like evil origins or this was used for evil or maybe this pulls people or maybe there's like ways that people can twist it or use it in ways that are not helpful. Um, And like Old Testament, we see, okay, what are you supposed to do with idols or things that are negative? You're supposed to eradicate them. Like take care of these bad things, make sure they do not exist anymore. So that way they can't lead you to temptation or cause any disruptancies for the Israelites or like anyone like with their faith and everything. But I think what we also see in the New Testament is we see like negative situations and bad situations. The Lord uses them for his glory and makes them new. He brings new life to, to these like idolatries and these, these problems, these, these different philosophies that people had, and he twists them and changes them to actually use for his glory and be used Mm. for good. Yeah. That's so cool. And so I think that, man, we think about things like Christmas, right? (laughs) Christmas has terrible origins or Halloween, terrible origins. Like Literally for Halloween, the point of it was, like, you're dressing up as monsters and spirits to scare away, like, evil creatures and stuff like that. Like, literally, that is all, like, about, like, demonic influences and everything. And yet, like, we celebrate something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, like, you look at something like Christmas, and it's like, okay, uh, okay, Jesus came, he was born in the manger, let's put up a Christmas tree. Like, obviously, Mm. like, the tree is not, was not put there. Or Easter, like, it was a fertility, it was a fertility uh, pagan god celebration. Yeah. That's why there's a rabbit and eggs, because those stand for fertility. And yet, what Christians have done is they've taken these things that are maybe used for evil, and they've changed them and converted them and started using them for good. That's cool. And I think that's actually an awesome thing. So I think that's how the Enneagram, yes, it has, it may have some funky origins, but if you use them the right way, if you apply in the correct context and you allow the Holy Spirit to like sort of like lead through that, Mm. I think it can be used for God's glory and can be a really helpful tool. Yeah. Um, One thing that I had the most questions about when I was first like, ooh, should I do the Enneagram? Um, And when it's dealing with like types of 
of personalities. The one thing I kind of associated with it with is like signs and how like, mm-hmm. oh, and you know, you're not, the Bible says like signs are not to be used, whatever. And so how would you say that signs are different from the Enneagram? Yeah. So what the Enneagram does is it's mainly there to provide common language and help you to come to realizations about yourself that maybe you didn't know before. Yeah. So with signs or, you know, <clears throat> astral signs, different things like that, that is sort of like putting you in a box for you to stay there and is sort of like, forcing you to live your life a certain way or to live in fear or to go and do this thing, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And so with the Enneagram, its purpose is not like, it's not like astral science. It's, it's not based off some like uh, universal energy or truth or anything like that. It's literally like giving you common language to say, okay, who am I? Oh, I'm an introvert. Oh, I'm an extrovert. Okay. Yeah. How do I live my life in light of that? How do I preach the gospel into that? Mm-hmm. And so how can I actually not just stay in a box, which is how some people might use the Enneagram, yeah. but what box have you trapped yourself in and how does the gospel allow you to free yourself from that? Yeah, I think that's a huge point to make about the Enneagram because I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, I'm an eight, so I, I am this way, you know, and like you right. just kind of limit yourself to that number. Yes. And I I even like have done that and, I've, mm-hmm. and that's something that I have to be so careful about now that I have kind of like looked into the Enneagram is like, okay, no, I have tendencies of a three, wing four and it's like okay but I'm not limited to that I could still act in this way or this way you know and I think that is probably one of the like hardest things about the Enneagram it's is to, so not, hard. to yeah. not limit yourself um mm-hmm. and to not believe that number is like who you are and who you're gonna be the rest of your life you know mm-hmm. um so I like that point that like signs are more like your fate and you're bound to this and you can't get out whereas Enneagram is more if you use it correctly, just like Mm -hmm. learning about yourself and your tendencies. And then, like you said, preaching the gospel into that. So what do you mean by that? Like preaching the gospel, what do you mean by gospel? And then also how do we use the gospel within those tendencies that we have with the Enneagram? Yeah. And so gospel Christian podcast, I'm about Christianity. (laughs) It's the belief that we are born sinful, um, that we were created to live life with God. However, in our sin, we fall short we miss the mark of perfection. And so therefore the punishment for that is eternity separated from God. Yeah. But God being needing to be just and needing to be fully loving, what he decided to do was he, he sent his son Jesus to come and die on the cross for our sins, taking our place, uh, being a substitute for us so that the condemnation was put on Jesus so that we could walk free. And then Jesus resurrected from the grave three days later. Mm-hmm. And by placing our faith in him, by trusting him as our savior, trusting him as our Lord, we can experience the rest of eternity with God forever. Yeah, yeah. And so with the Enneagram, uh, like the whole entire system is based off that you have like a core fear. And so these fears are attached to maybe like a childhood wound that, okay, there was something, you're supposed to rely on some sort of system or some sort of person growing up. There's a tragic situation where you went to go rely on that thing and it failed you. Mm. And so because of that, you have trust issues for the rest of your life, which yeah. is like an Enneagram 6 and that's how it comes out. And so there's like nine different fears associated with the nine different types. And when we think about fear and we think about the gospel, and we think about what Jesus has done for us and thinking that we have a God who's all powerful and all loving, who looks down on us, like the gospel, the good news that Jesus like died for us means that we get a relationship to be in a right relationship with God forever. Yeah. So that changes the way that we view the world. It changes the way that we view fear. Uh, I believe it's uh, Timothy talks about, how we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of mm-hmm. power, love, and self-control. Yeah. And so knowing who Jesus is, knowing who God is, knowing the love that he has shown to us as his children, 
that changes the way that we evaluate our fears. Yeah. And so essentially how I've used the Enneagram for spiritual formation. One, it's a tool. Bible is the best thing that you can use. I just think the Enneagram is helpful. But if I am able to know what someone fears and how that controls their life, I'm able to say, okay, here's the fear that you have. Here's how Jesus comes into the picture well, and makes things right for you. Yeah. And so you being a three, so yeah. like the three, <laughs> uh, their greatest fears of being uh, unvalued or unworthy. Yeah. And so what threes do with their lives is they go about and they go, okay, I want to be seen as valuable. Mm. So what do my parents want me to be? Okay, I'm going to go to school to become that thing. What does this group of friends want me to be? I'm going to do whatever needs to be done to be like what they want me to be. Yeah. If I'm going to do a job, I'm going to be in the top 2% or I'm not going to do it at all. Right. <laughs> it's so me. And yeah. so there's some good things there, right? That yeah. there's like giftings that you have because you are three and some giftings that the Lord has given you through that. Mm -hmm. But man, what an anxious life to go from people or such so tiring to go from people from one group of people to another yeah. into constantly changing who you are. And not actually being true to how the Lord has actually created you with your own passions and your own desires. Yeah. And so if I found out that someone was a three, I'd sit across the table from them. And I ask them, how much does God love you? And how much does he value you as you are? And do you know that you don't have to perform for Jesus? That you can be exactly who you are and God loves you just the same. Mm. And that you don't have to be the top 2%. You don't have to be what people want you to be in order to have value. Yeah. Jesus died for you while you were a sinner, while you were doing nothing for him. In fact, while you were his enemy. And so therefore, that should be freeing to you that you don't have to prove to anyone who you are. Jesus has already proved himself by taking your place on the cross. And you can find your hope in that. Yeah. So you don't have to live anxiously running from trying to be a thousand different things. You can simply be who God has created you to be. Well. <laughs> so that's like a simple thing right there. Yeah. But then yeah. if you like know what the nine different fears are, like I'm able to sit across the table from someone, uh, sit across the table from a one who their fear is not being perfect and fear of not being good. Mm. Well, okay. Do you, how like God wants you to be holy. He wants you to be good. He wants you to grow. But how anxious are you trying to perform and be good yourself? Yeah. As opposed to relying on Christ's goodness for your life instead. For sure. And so I think it's just been a very powerful tool over the years as I've done college ministry to be able to speak the gospel to college students by yeah. knowing their Enneagram. Whereas maybe them reading their Bibles, it would have taken a long time to figure out without the Enneagram what mm -hmm. their fears were, how they didn't trust God. Instead, this gives me a pathway to be able to speak the gospel very quickly to people yeah. once they know who they are. That's so cool. And so what's the difference then between like using the Enneagram with God versus using the Enneagram just like self-improvement, you know, like what does that look like? <laughs> yeah. So I think that it's the end goal is that, man, what is self-improvement? Like, what are you hoping to be the end of it all? Mm -hmm. And each of the different types would have an idea of what self-improvement is actually. Yeah. Uh, and so like maybe the one is going to say, I need to be more disciplined or the five goes, man, I need more wisdom and knowledge. I need to become more capable or the eight goes, man, I need more resources. I need to dominate my environment and be top CEO, things yeah. like that. So what the what the Enneagram does differently is it gives us freedom mm. from trying to reach certain places. When we have like these anxieties, when we have these fears about what we want to be, instead what it does is like doing it with Jesus allows us to find freedom and to say, man, I don't have to be these things I'm striving to be. Yeah. That it, the Enneagram no longer becomes self-help, but actually turns into, what am I forgetting about the gospel? Whoa. And what do I need to remember in that? Whoa. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Because I think when, 
when we use the Enneagram just to improve ourselves, it's almost like a hopeless pursuit. Like it's a right. never ending pursuit. Whereas when we know Jesus, we have hope, you know, it's like coming to realization. Yeah, I'm not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Because you know, the grace of God, but like you said, like, how do I use this to glorify God? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So if someone was not a Christian, like they could definitely look at the Enneagram and be like, okay, these are the different ways I need to grow and, and whatnot. Yeah. But like the basis of it for the Christian, the basis of it is the gospel that God loves me. He's all powerful and I can feel secure in what he offers to me. Yeah. For the non-Christian, I don't know. Like you can try and find different things or you can like make up language like there's enough energy in the universe mm. and so therefore I can find rest. But like <laughs> there's no basis for that yeah. at all. No. And so it's fleeting in itself. But the gospel actually, one, I think gives it value and makes it yeah. useful. But two, does it in a totally different way than what non-Christians would use the Enneagram for. Yeah, it's almost exhausting to think of using the Enneagram. To just, or just like self-improvement in general would be exhausting because, you know, it's it's performance-based. and. Mm-hmm. I feel like you would never feel like you made progress. Okay, so what are some ways that you've seen people misuse the Enneagram and what would you say about that? Yeah, so I think that, so two different things come to mind. One is typing other people. And so (laughs) when you talk about, like, when you talk about the Enneagram, like you're talking about fears and motivations behind things. You don't always know what is motivating someone. You see their outside actions. And so you can know someone and have those deep conversations and maybe that'll help you figure out what's going on under the surface. But I know that even my best friends I'd known for years, when I first got into the Enneagram, I would look at them and like my buddy Reese, I was like, buddy, you're a nine for sure. And he started reading the Enneagram and like looking at it as a nine. And then we took a class together actually. And he was looking at it and he was like, no, no, I'm a five. Like Mm -hmm. my fear that I was trying to address was actually not a fear in my life that I had. My fear is actually the same as mine as a, I'm a type five Enneagram as well. And so he was trying to find healing and trying to figure out, man, why do I struggle with this fear of not being at peace? Which is a when, nine. Which is a nine. Yeah. And what he should have actually been talking, like working through is his fear of incapability. Mm. That is not helpful at all. <laughs> and so, and then also you're putting like people into boxes where they're like, okay, I think I know who I am, but this person's saying something else. Yeah. Should I trust who I think I am or should I trust that person? Yeah. You know? So it's just super confusing. And I can twist the Enneagram around and be like, Lindsay, I know you say you're three, but you talk about all these different friend groups that you have and you have all these different hobbies going on. Yeah. I think you're totally a seven, that you're going from thing to thing like all the time. And you're just like joyful and cheerful wherever you go. Like those are all qualities of a seven. I think you're actually a seven. Yeah. And I think I can make it like pretty compelling argument to like twist those words around and use your actions to say this is your motivation Mm. but like ultimately you know yourself better and so I hate typing I hate when people (laughs) are like man you're such a two you're such a four and putting each other in boxes before they've had a chance to look into it themselves I don't think that's helpful at all that's so true I think yeah and then on the other end I think the boxes I think a lot of people who don't use the Enneagram get frustrated with it Mm. but like if someone says, okay, I'm late, I'm sorry, that's my bad, I was just like in the zone, and they might say like, okay, I'm a four, I just don't really care about like time or the essence, like anything like that, I'm just, I was just like really in the mood, mm-hmm. using whatever excuse they might have, and blaming like your personality, that yeah. is not helpful at all. <laughs> the Enneagram is supposed to help you like give you self-awareness and common language yes. so you can speak the gospel into it. Mm. So it's not an excuse for what you do. 
Like if someone is like literally alone for like seven days straight and they say, I'm an introvert. Okay. But like, you also need to go talk to people. Like <laughs> You need to like change. You need to like live your different lifestyle. Yeah. And so I think that, man, to not put yourself in a box, but it's, it's allowing you to know what the problem is so that you can go find a solution to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's helping you know that there's a leak somewhere in your basement. Mm. You don't just take the water and throw it out the window. You need to find out where that leak is and actually take care of it. Mm-hmm. And so instead of saying like, I'm sorry, my clothes are wet. There's like, there's water in my basement and never actually dealing with it. Like you need to take care of the, the flooding <laughs> yeah. in your basement. Like that's a huge problem. Yeah. And so it shouldn't be a box. It should be allowing you giving you a chance to speak the gospel into those places of your life Mm -hmm. so you can find healing and experience change i i love that because lately i've been realizing like how important self-awareness is especially with our walk with christ because if i'm not aware of certain things in my life i'm never just like you said i'm never going to be able to improve that leak you know Mm -hmm. and um i think in james it says um something about like how it's our own temptation or it's our own um, desires that will tempt us. And so mm-hmm. if I don't even know where these desires, if I, that I have these desires, then I'm going to be led into temptation and ultimately sin. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, And so you have to be self-aware to understand your propensities as a human to do whatever it is that's not glorifying to God. I was talking with a professor the other week and he said, uh, the only fault, the only person's fault it is for you not knowing yourself is you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. As a person, like, we need to know who we are and our tendencies. And then by knowing that, grow in, in those areas so that we can glorify God and yeah. move forward. Absolutely. Right? I think Jonathan Edwards, uh, amazing, like, you know, <laughs> hundreds, hundreds of years ago, made a huge impact for the gospel. And I was reading one of his books, and he wrote out, like, all these different convictions when he was 23 years old, things that he was going to do. And he was like, I, I vow to never gossip about anyone ever. Mm. I vow that every time I feel pain, I'm going to remember that there are martyrs across the sea who are people who are dying for their faith, and I will not grumble. Just like these really bold things. And one thing that stuck out to me was he said, every time I sin, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to process and think through it, and I'm going to ask myself, what am I not believing about God Whoa. that would make me think in that moment that this was an okay thing to do? That's <laughs> self-awareness. That's asking like, okay... How, why did I do that? What was the motivation behind it? And how do I replace that motivation with something that's actually good and helpful? Yeah. Dang. That makes me, that's such a good quote. I love that. Um, So I guess that was, that was a solid little spiel we had there. So I just want to end with just a question for both Christians and non-Christians. We'll just start out first for Christians. um, Yes, this, the Enneagram does have a questionable origin. And so I think, it just comes down to your own discernment. Um, if you don't think that we should use it at all, like that's between you and God. And if you think that, you know, this would be a helpful tool in your walk with God where you can um, actually, you know, gain some self-awareness and use that so that you can gl- grow in your relationship with God. Um, you know, that's just between you and God, like I said. I think it just comes down to uh, your own discernment, your personal takes on whether you want to look at it as like an Old Testament where you eradicate don't come in contact with the thing with things that um have not so good origins or if you look at it new testament where you know jesus is reworking things for his glory that's between you and the lord um so that would be my advice to the christian um it's not a make or break thing so it's it's a minor in in the walk secondary for sure secondary for sure 
So I just want to put that out because there are going to be people that don't and there are going to be people that are and I don't think that it's a make or break. So that's that's what I would say to the Christians and to non-Christians I would say what is your end goal, right, with the Enneagram? And if you were to see out all the self-improvement and you know finally reach that goal, would it would it be satisfying to you? And um if not, I would ask the question then what what are you lacking, right? And Jake and I would both say that is a relationship with Jesus because we can do all the self-improvement we want, but at the end of the day, we're still separated from the one who created us, and that is God. Um, and we will never reach perfection. That is the state of humanity, you know? We live in a fallen world where there is sin and there is imperfection, and unfortunately, we just we just can't escape that in this, in this time here on earth. And so, just like Jake said, um, he sent... God sent his son Jesus so that he would die um, on behalf of all those imperfections and all those falling shorts so that we could enter into a perfect relationship with a perfect God. Now, that doesn't mean that Christians are perfect in any sense. We are still living in a fallen world and thus we still will struggle with sin. Uh, but it is that hope in Jesus that he, had, he has paid the price so that uh, when we die, we can enter into eternity with God. And that is the best news ever, because <laughs> now I don't have to work my way out of whatever. So yeah, that's all we have for you today. Jake, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's a joy. It's so much more fun to do it with another person. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you guys ever have any topics that you want to talk about, just reach out to me because I love having people on. So yeah, of course, there will be more to come and stay tuned. Subscribe to the podcast, the YouTube, and that is all.